Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We're starting a new series today called Loving Life, Loving Life, and it's a series that we're going to be focusing on the book of Philippians. I love, the, I love the book of Philippians. It's really one of my favorite books. It's so encouraging. And I find myself that if I'm going through a difficult time, when I open up just those four little short chapters from the Apostle Paul, it's so life-giving. There are so many things in it. And, and so today, as we begin this series, we're calling it Loving Life because there's, the Lord is doing a special work, I believe, here at Shoreline Community Church. And when you look over just even the past few weeks there have been so many things going on to celebrate, hasn't there? We've been talking about the International Fest and, and everything that happened there. We had a video on it. Uh, but even beyond that, we're, we're hearing more and more testimonies about people who are inviting their friends to come here. That is a powerful thing. Last uh, Sunday night, we had uh, one of our newer people, one of our newer youth, invite three of their friends, and two of those friends gave their life to Christ. Does that excite you? More than a whoa. <laughs> that is, to me, that is the gospel that is life-giving. Uh, we had um, uh, six people last week with international offense. As, t- as, uh, as we heard from so many missionaries come in, I just asked a question. Is anyone here today feel like the Lord could be calling you to be a missionary? We had six people raise their hand and say, I feel like God is calling me to be missional in my life, to be a missionary going forward. And again, over 40 nations calling SCC their home. This past summer, we had a, a water baptism down in the warm Puget Sound in Edmonds. And six people walked forward to be baptized in water saying, Jesus, I am yours. We hear reports from youth camp, people rededicating their life. Uh, we've had just so many wonderful weddings. And even yesterday, uh, Carrie, and, and Carrie, who I start to say O'Bannon, but she's not O'Bannon anymore. She married Inu, uh, Inu Lee. Uh, they got married yesterday. And we have part of the family, Dr. Randy O'Bannon, Sandy, and your family. You're here, here, here today, and it's so good to, to see you with us. But such a celebration that we had. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking up. My son Riley's home this weekend. Good to see Riley here as well. And uh, just, again, new friendships, new groups forming. And these are all things that we give thanks to the Lord for. But we know as we celebrate that we, things don't often begin with celebrations. Behind every victory, there's often a difficult time. Some of the greatest victories in my life, some of the greatest accomplishments that I've been able to do through the power of the Lord, they've come at great cost. They've come with great obstacles. Has anybody ever experienced an obstacle in their life? Anybody ever experienced a challenge, right? Or, I mean, all of these things that happen, whether even weddings, weddings have stress points. Uh, you know, Stephanie, right? We've had some stress points in our life. And, and, but as we work through them with the Lord, we, we experience what Jesus talked about in John 10, 10, because Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have life to the full, this abundant, overflowing life. And the Apostle Paul, he was a great example of someone who loved life because his letters, as I talked about, all of them, there's, there's so much encouragement and there's, there's so much life-giving in all of his letters. And, and if, you, if you didn't know any better, you would think that, the, well, well, Paul must be good for you. Your life must just be easy. It just must be a bed of roses. It just must be, you know, it's nothing but green lights in your life, even though there were no green lights back then. But it was just things must be easy for you. But, but the apostle Paul, lest you think that his life is easy, he said this in 2 Corinthians. 
This is the man of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who wrote all these encouraging words about how good God is. He wrote down, he said, look, but I've, I've been in prison more often. I've, I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Uh, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. That's not a cruise. That was a hardship. He said, I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I faced danger in the city, danger in the deserts, danger on the seas. I faced danger from men who even claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I mean, I'm out of breath just talking about the guy and the things that he's gone through. So how is Paul able to press on even in the midst of all of this? How is he able to just love life and experience what Jesus promised, the life to the full? Well, I believe this book that we're diving into today that we're going to start reveal some of the strong pillars because these opening words they're written to the church in philippi these loving words in the midst of all this that he's that he's speaking to them the church in philippi this was the first church that he planted in europe so this is a this is a very personal thing to paul and not only that the church was was led in the home of one of his first converts there lydia he met her down by the river just looking for a place to worship because there's no place to worship and he's writing these words even from prison. These words of encouragement that you're about to hear, the Apostle Paul is writing them to this church that he loves from prison. And here's what, here's what he writes. Philippians chapter 1, after he introduces who he is, he says, look, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with what? Joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you have first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you, and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And then he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. Listen to this. He says, for this, this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, as we now dive into your word, Lord, I pray that you would you would illuminate, you would show us what we need to hear today. God, let it be your words, not mine. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My God, my rock, my redeemer. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. 
So as we dive into this today, the key word that we're going to be focusing on is a key word that the Apostle Paul uses whenever he's talking to his friends, whenever he's talking to those around, when he's, he's writing to this church plant. And it's a key here of having this life to the full, this loving life. And the key word for today, friends, is this word partnership. Everyone say partnership. Partnership. This is a word that the Apostle Paul, he's leaning into. And as he's leaning into it, he's leaning into it because partnership is key to loving life. If you want to have this life to the full, if you want to be going through life loving it, partnership is essential. And it's key because this is how we were made. We were made by God to operate this way. This is how Jesus showed us to live this life to the full. I mean, when you look at the Bible and you look at how, how people walk, I mean, Jesus, one of the first things that he did when he began his earthly ministry is Jesus, fully God, fully man, filled with the power, filled with all the wisdom, his first steps were to go out and to find partners, find these strategic partners. He, he called them disciples in ministry. And wherever he went, he was looking to pull people in. And even in the early church, when it began in the book of Acts, it revolved around partnership. It says in Acts 2.42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to to the breaking of bread. They were partnering with one another. And when Paul was confronted and when he was converted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus sent him people because Paul needed some partners. If you don't know the story of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was a zealot, he was a Jew, and he felt that he was empowered by God to go out and kill Christians and to persecute the church. And then he's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus hits him with light, and he says, he says why are you persecuting me? And so Paul, all of a sudden, he comes to this new realization. He comes to Jesus. But in that moment, do you know what he needed? He needed partners. He needed friends. So the Lord sends him Ananias. And Ananias, he's a little freaked out at first. He's like, this is a guy who's trying to kill me here. Are you sure he's safe to go to? But he goes to him. He helps him. He prays for him. Paul is healed from his blindness. He feeds him. And he introduces him to more partners, to more disciples in Damascus. And these, these people were a little nervous too because everyone knew about Paul. When there's someone who's out against you, you hear about it. But he needed partners. He needed people who would trust him, who would walk with him, who would disciple him now in this new way. See, even when it was risky, disciples of Jesus, they knew back then and they know today that partnership is essential for the body of Christ, for all of us who call ourselves and claim to follow him. In fact, you cannot be a Christian without this because this is the way of Jesus, See, being a Christian doesn't mean just I have a label on my head. It doesn't mean that I've just got a lanyard that that says, says Jesus follower around me. It doesn't mean I've got the right wristband. Being a Christian means that I am like Christ. That's where that word came from, where people who knew Jesus, they look at somebody and they say, that person is like Christ. They're a Christian. This is how Jesus operated. And this is how we are called to operate today. See, no one flourishes without this. I mean, without partnership, at the very best, you're, you're just hanging on to a limb and saying, I'm, I just, I just want to make it till Jesus comes back, or I just want to kind of do it on my own. It's not flourishing. It's not the life to the full, it's, and it's agonizing. And who'd want to join somebody who's just hanging off a cliff going, hey, join me over here? See, Jesus calls us to partnership. And even 
that relationship building that happens through partnership, I mean, we know, I mean, medical experts and, and scientists will, in the health industry, I mean, they will tell us that, that one, of the, one of the things that will hurt us even physically the most is social isolation and then loneliness. I mean, you've probably heard these stats before that social isolation and loneliness have been linked to increased risk for heart disease, for stroke, for type 2 diabetes, for depression, anxiety, addiction, uh, suicidal thoughts and self-harm, dementia, earlier death. All of these things have been linked to loneliness and isolation. My wife and I just recently watched a documentary on Netflix uh, called Live to 100, you know, and I was kind of inspired by it because my dad's 95, my dad's 93. And, and so I began watching it. And, and the person doing this documentary, they went around to parts of the world where there were, these, there were these pockets of like communities of people that were living to be 100 years old. And not, not only were they just, just, eight, just, just growing older, but these were vibrant people. I mean, they were, they were, there was things going on in their life. There was interactions. These were productive people. And when they looked at one of the main things that was taking place, when, when, when a, one of those key things, that like why are they able to do this? Do you know what they came down to? They came down to what Jesus has been telling us about, what God has been telling us about from the beginning of time, that we need to be in community. We need to have purpose in our life. We, we need one another. Without it, we don't do well. So what does this biblical partnership look like? Well, the first thing that Paul identifies is he says partnership, first of all, it's about the gospel. The first thing that Paul mentions in partnering is he talks about in the gospel. He says in Philippians 1.5, he says, You've been my partners in spreading the good news, that's the gospel, the good news of, about Christ, from the time you first heard it until now. See, gospel, it literally means good news. See, the word of God is the only strong thing that we have in this world. See, you're only as good as what you're standing on. And we talk about this a lot, right? Where if you've got one foot in the boat and one foot in the water, where are you going to fall? You're going to fall to the weakest part. And there's so many illustrations throughout Scripture. So as it comes to partnership, our partnership needs to be built on the gospel, the living, saving, alive knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is why churches, even under persecution, when people are trying to, to, get, to get rid of them, when they're even trying to kill them, they find that through so many parts of the world and China and other countries, that the more they persecute the church, the more it thrives. Because they're standing on the firm gospel the word of Jesus Christ. Because partnership is only as strong as what, you're, what you're, you're standing on. And when we partnership with God and when we partnership with his mission of sharing this life-changing love of Jesus to the world, the Bible tells us that we're backed with all the power and all the authority of God. See, loving life is about partnering together for the mission, which as we, we stated earlier, you've heard it from several of our pastors, that our mission is about becoming and making disciples of Jesus. And I'll tell you just from personal history, there is nothing that lights me up more than getting to share Jesus with somebody that doesn't know him. Have you ever tried it? You know, many of you have, have heard my stories that, you know, I've done, this, I've done this here in church. I've done it in the back of the bus. I've done it on the streets in downtown Seattle. I've done it outside of my house. I've shared the gospel over here. Wherever I go, I've done it walking my dog Stanley. See, there are people that they see me and they get freaked out, but they love my dog. And they stop for my dog. 
I've had people that have never stopped me, but when I have my dog with me, they stop and they talk about him. And they talk about Stanley. And in the midst of that, the gospel shows up. And I'm telling you, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you, nothing lights me up more than telling people about Jesus. Because this is what we were made for. You want to have life to the full? Start walking around and going, who can I share Jesus with today? And what you're going to find is you're going to find, for many of you, that that's going to be the scariest thing because you don't want to be a fool. But you know what? I'd rather take steps towards Jesus learning how to do this than to be silent. How can I be silent about Jesus, my Savior, the one who made me and created me? See, we need each other. And even as it relates to those, there are so many I've shared the gospel with and I've never seen them again, but there are also those that I've shared the gospel with and they're here today. And they're in our groups. Some are leaders. Some are leaders at other churches today. Do you know why? Because I'm not enough for people. We need partnership. We need each other so that when someone gives their life to Christ or someone's asking questions about Jesus, there are so many times I've talked to somebody and then I've heard Pastor Tiffany or, or I've heard Michael or I've heard Stephanie talking about and sharing to and they're hearing it from a different perspective or they're, they're talking to one of you or I'll hear about someone who came new to the church and they're a part of your group and then you're folding them and you're loving them in and I'm going, yes. Because they're connecting with each other. See, one of the key things that unifies us is that we are one. And as we reach out to people, we experience that life to the full that Jesus talked about. But Paul goes on, he talks about the gospel, and he talks about this, this, this nature of how we work, work, work together and the importance of, of spreading the gospel. But one of the other key things that he leans into as it relates to partnership is generosity. See, a key part of partnership is generosity. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 4, at, towards the end of the book, he says, look, as, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help. He said, when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia, no other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you, you said help more than once. He says, I don't say this because I want a gift. In other words, he's like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not baiting you here. He said, rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. Paul said, I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, when it comes to, li to loving life, this aspect of generosity and partnership has stood out so strong in my life. I mean, even here, you know, I've, the first time I, I came to Shoreline Community Church was back in 2001, and then I was in Northern Virginia, D.C. for about seven years, and then the Lord brought me back to, I call it God's country here in Seattle. I mean, there's no way you can look at the mountains and not see the glory of God. But one of the things that I've noticed is that some of the happiest people that you'll see are some of the most generous people. They're the people that they give. They're the ones that, and I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about every aspect of their life. They show up early. I've seen some of the happiest people just walking through these chairs and just picking up paper. 
I've seen some of the happiest people when there's, if there's a funeral to help out or a wedding to help out, they're right there helping out. If I'm going on a prayer walk, they're like, Pastor Duane, I'm with you. I want to go walking with you. They engage in gifts, they, they, whether they play music or whether they teach a class or they're up in the tech booth or wherever it is that they are. The people who are serving, the people that are giving, the people that are partnering, these are some of the happiest people around us. And the reciprocal, that is also true. Some of the unha- unhappiest people are people who do nothing. <laughs> They're not engaged. They're not serving anywhere. They're not taking their talents and using it. They're, 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 they're not giving offerings or tithes or giving towards missions or any of that. And here's why. A key principle that my mom told me, and I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget this, and I'll, I'll be repeating this, I'm sure, on my deathbed, but I remember sitting in church one time with my mom, and I was looking up, this was before children's ministries, right? So children were, uh, we were just in there, and my mom was just, part, just like popping as many lifesavers as she could to kind of keep, keep me occupied and giving me coloring sheets, and I just burned through them like a fire. And I looked up at her once, and I said, Mom, this is so boring. And I said, when I grow up, I will never go to church again. You'll never see me in church. Know, know what she did? She laughed, <laughs> just like you're doing now. And she looked at me and said, Dwayne, you know why you're bored? She said, you only get out of it what you put into it. She had a lot of good one-liners. I mean, just ripped them. She said, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. She said, if you keep showing up and you're not putting anything into it, of course you're going to be bored because you're not doing anything. Start doing something. So I did. I played saxophone, so I started playing in the band with my dad. I, I started getting involved in youth group. I started getting involved in all these different things. Because here's the principle. Paul said this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians. This principle of you only get out what you put in. Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. He said, you must decide in your hearts how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Please don't do that. For God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share. See, God's saying, this is not about providing for God. We're not providing for God in this. God owns everything. He's not short of cash. This is about you. This is about me saying, God, do I honor you and do I recognize you give me a talent? And do I recognize the principle that as I give, as I give of time, of service, of finances, all that, that as I give that, that there's a growth principle that happens in me that now I'm excited about it. Now I'm engaged. Now I'm committed to it. Now I've, I've got skin in the game. See, everything worth doing, it costs something. And it means that, that, that we, we give ourselves over to it. See, God loves a cheerful giver because it reflects a life that is devoted to God, and it trusts God. Trust is a huge word. How many struggle with trust at times? I'm raising both hands, okay? You only get out of it what you put into it. Trust can be difficult. Yeah, Val. Thank you, Val. I mean, you only get out of what you put into it. And this is the big thing about trust, it's about trusting God. See, when we, when we live these generous lives, it reflects a life that understands that I'm not the owner. God owns my life. He owns my life. My calling, my choice is to be a steward of all that God has entrusted me to. And this is reflected through the Bible, 
and especially in Jesus' teaching. See, every time that the disciples worried about money or they criticized Jesus' generosity because he was, he was just giving. <laughs> he was just giving. Jesus would point them back to the importance of generosity. One of his biggest lessons was the parable of the talents. You know, in the parable of talents, and I'm not going to read all that to you today, but in the parable of talents, the only person that, Jesus, that was criticized in that was the person who just took their talent and they buried it and they did nothing with it. And the result is even what that person had was lost. That's why Jesus said in Luke 6, he said, look, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And in the book of Acts, the beginning of the early church, the the church was growing and expanding. And one of the traits that the community around, it, it it just blew their mind, that just stood out was their generosity. In Acts 4, it says, the whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their possessions. No one said, that's mine. You you can't have that. The Bible says they shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. See, this is why generosity is such a key indicator. And that's why some of the people in this church that have been the strongest pillars of this church are the ones that when a call was given, they stood up. And when they couldn't stand up, they rolled in. (laughs) They're like, as long as I got a beat, I'm going to be here. See, it reveals who we trust. It reveals who our owner is. And again, this this, this is not about pressure. If you don't want to give, don't give. That's between you and God. This is about an opportunity for partnership, to grow in the Lord, to trust in the Lord. You know, tithing and giving has been a part of our life that we have just trusted to the Lord. And there have been so many ways. There have been times with four kids that the Lord has called me to leave a position that paid higher and to go work in a coffee house. And everybody around me is going, Dwayne, you are so irresponsible. Are you that big of a coffee addict that you just got to work there all the time? But for me, we heard from the Lord, and Steph and I, we walked through, and we said, okay, we're going to trust the Lord in this. Do you know the Lord provided in so many ways that I couldn't even imagine? A food drop developed out of our driveway that just didn't feed others. It it fed us. It was amazing food. (laughs) We had a medical bill show up. We're like, how are we going to pay for this? Before we could ask others to pray. We had the provision for it show up in our mailbox in an unmarked envelope. We, we didn't tell anybody about it. That was right down to the amount that we needed. That's happened multiple times. Now, I'm not saying that... Now, God is not an, your investment strategy. This is not your retirement strategy. You know, this is not a prosperity thing. You know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying is that you trust God, and he takes care of the rest. He takes care of us. Is it trusting Some of these provisions have come down right to the day. And it showed up, and I'll just confess to all of you, I was like, God, thank you for providing, but did you have to wait till the last minute and freak me out? And God said, yes, I did, because you got to grow in your trust. God always has an answer for me. Val. Val, I'm so thankful for you today. Thank you for encouraging me. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Oh. 
Don't worry, I won't speak longer. See, this is the indicator. It's, and it's such a strong indicator that Paul even used this to test the sincerity of people's love. In 2 Corinthians, he said, look, I say this not as a command, but to prove by your earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. See, generosity, it connects us to each other. And here's the thing. If you're feeling disconnected, if you're feeling down today, if you're feeling just, just kind of on the outs, this is your invitation and your encouragement to get involved. Do you know that our Connections Director, Krista, do you guys appreciate Krista Skeving here today? She even went in on our Church Center app and she provided a part of this where you can go in and just click a way to serve. And there are so many ways to serve. I think we even might have a slide up there for it about it. But just go on the Church Center app. You can find your team. So many ways to serve. You want to find that life to the full? You want to find that loving life? Find a way to serve. Now, some of these you can go, you know what? I'm going to be here every week. Some of these I'm, I'm going to do it once a month. Some international fest, we need a booth, I'll do that. There are so many ways to be involved, trunk or treat, I mean, whatever it is that you enjoy doing, there's a place for it. And if you don't see something, go talk to Krista. She loves talking to people about this. See, it's in this act of serving that, that we, we are engaged. And the call today is that wherever you are, you know, if, if you're not serving, just pray, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? Is there, is there a way that I can serve whatever? Just start with something. Start taking a st- Just take one step. You don't have to run all the way to the end. Just start taking one step towards it. If you haven't engaged in giving yet, just again, as we said earlier, seek the Lord. Lord, what would you have me give? This is between you and the Lord. If you have, and if, if you're giving regularly, if you're tithing regularly, start looking at, you know what? I want to start giving to missions too. I want the word of Jesus to go around how many missionaries, Stephanie, do we support? We, we support 54 missionaries. And we want, to, we want to support more. I mean, we. Okay, this is. We want to support more. That's an act of trust with the Lord. Again, it's between you and the Lord. There's no coercion here. I'm just, this, I'm just saying in this area as it relates between the Lord, I've, just, I've seen the hand of God in my life. I've seen him build in trust. Seek the Lord in this. I mean, this is, these active steps are so strong that even in Malachi, right, the last book in the Old Testament, he even said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the church, that, that there may be food in my house. And he says, test me in this, says the Lord. So one of the few times that God said, test me. In so many parts of Scripture, it's like, you know, we're not testing God. He is faithful. But in this, God says, go ahead and test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. And again, this is not a a give to get. God sees that too. (laughs) This is saying, Lord, everything is yours. My encouragement to us as we head into this season because I believe the Lord is leading us into this new season. I see so many sparks of just this, this reawakening of our community, the, the reawakening of the, everything that's going on around us where I'm, the Lord is looking at us and going, are you going to jump in with both, both feet? That's what he said to Peter, right? He's walking on the water. You know, it wasn't just kind of testing the water, can I get out here? He said, Peter, he jumped out of the boat and he fixed his eyes on Jesus he got scared by the waves and started to sink, but then he looked back to Jesus. 
This is about walking in our faith with Jesus. He's going to test us. He's going to try us. Why? Because there's a world that's hurting out there. There's a world that's hurting in the walls of your home. And the Lord tests us because he wants to strengthen us because there's something that we need in that process of teaching and training. And we endure hardships, like James says, consider it all joy because it brings endurance, it brings perseverance. There's things that we, that the Lord wants to prepare us for. And he says, are you ready to jump in both feet? Are you ready to just jump in all the way? This is the season the Lord's calling us into. We've jumped in with both feet. We have so many that have jumped in with both feet. My encouragement to you today is to seek the Lord, to trust him, to lay it all out. You don't need to figure it out. You just need to trust the Lord and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you, and I'm jumping in all the way, and I know that you're going to be helping me. And when you do that, you're partnering with, look, look around at this room, and this isn't everybody. You're partnering with people here that are saying, you know, we're going to walk together. Do you know how exciting that is? But it takes that full commitment of denying ourselves. You know, as we wrap this up today, as the worship team comes forward, there's one last thing that Paul, that he, he emphasizes all the way through in this. That as it relates to partnership, our character is so important. Character. You know, character is one of those C's. Like when I hire people, I look at the five C's, right? Competency and chemistry on the team. Character. See, if the talent is not there but the character is there, I'm like, the, the talent can be taught. Giftings can be taught. Ways and methods can be taught. But only if there's the character that will follow through. That's why Paul says, look, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Paul said, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus. He said, for this will bring so much glory and praise to God. See, Paul, he's concluding this section with character because when we give our lives over to God, it is transformative. When we jump in with both feet, when we get everything, it transforms us so much that Jesus said, you will know my disciples not by just what they say. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. See, character is always at the center. Because when Jesus is at the center of our life, our character gets reformed. It gets renewed. And I feel like it's something that we, we talk a lot about, but it's worth repeating. Jesus said in Matthew 8, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's why in James 1 it says, don't just listen to the word. You must do what it says. And otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. See, partnership is connected to being fully devoted, fully surrendered to God. And this transforms us so much that in the book of Romans, Paul said to the Roman church, he said, don't copy the behavior of this word of, 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 and the customs of this world. He said, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. He said, then you will know God's will. Then you will know the things that are good and pleasing. 
And this is an ongoing process. See, when I gave my life to Christ, I was his. I was alive in Jesus. And there were some things in that moment that God took away a taste for. But then there were other things that I struggled with. Anybody have any struggles? (laughs) So what do we do? Every morning, Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender everything to you. Give me the strength today. Help me today to walk in this. Do you know that there are days I've even prayed, God, I I need somebody somebody in my life to help me walk with this. I need partners, people to walk alongside of me. That's why even Paul said, look, I beat my body to bring it in submission. This is like a daily thing because the flesh tries to rise up. And that's why we're here today. Because Hebrews tells us to never neglect coming together, but to consider ways to spur on one another, to encourage one another. And that means when it's easy, that means when it's tough. That means we're committed when I feel like it. That means I'm committed when I don't feel like it. That's why the illustration of marriage is so important. Right? We said these vows yesterday at the wedding. For better and for worse. For richer and for in sickness. Right? Stephanie's never said to me, you're sick, call me when you're feeling better and I'll come back. (laughs) That's not marriage and it's not what the body of Christ looks like. That means every morning I get up and say, God, I'm coming today. That means I sit on that front row, and if I feel it, I got my little Canadian dance going. And if I, if I don't feel it, I got my little Canadian dance going because he's worthy of all praise, of all glory, of all singing, of lifting hands to the Lord, of dancing for joy in the Lord, whether I feel like it or not. Because my feelings in this flesh, they can change, and they do change. Because I can be temperamental. Did you know that? You're like, yeah, we do. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm showing up. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm jumping in both feet. And this is the invitation for you today. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you trust the Lord with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge him. And he directs your path. Amen? Amen. Would you you stand with me today? Father, we thank you for your word today that changes us, that lights us up, that gives us life, the light and life. And Lord, as we now head into this new season, this invitation for partnership, God, I pray that we would all freshen anew, dive in, both feet, giving everything to you. Amen. Amen, amen. As the team leads us in a song, I want to invite the prayer teams to come forward. And these are, these are just a few questions that I, I want to invite you to respond. You know, one of the things I loved about last week is as there was an altar call given, I mean, people just came forward for prayer in so many areas of their life. Because there's something powerful that happens when we just surrender. But today, as we listen to this, you know, one of the areas that God may be calling you in greater partnership may be just in gathering, just showing up, just being here. When you're not here, you are missed. You are missed. I had someone, someone come to church one time, and they, they, and they, they, they came in and said, yeah, I watched you online, and, and I heard there's young adults here. They said, where, where, said, where are they? And I said, come here. I said, look up. They're all up there. <laughs> not all of them are young. But when you're not here, you're missed. Maybe God's calling you to just take some steps there. Maybe it's in serving. Maybe you need to talk to Krista after. Maybe you need to get your app out right now and say, I'm going to start exploring some ways that I can serve. 
Maybe it's in giving. Maybe it's like, you know, I've never given before. Maybe I've never tithed before. Maybe I've never given to missions before. Maybe I've never seek the Lord and say, God, what would you have me do? He's inviting you to do that. Or maybe it's in sharing your faith. Maybe you've never walked through Fred Meyer, Starbucks, Herkimer, wherever you go, with those eyes of saying, God, is there somebody that I can share the love of Jesus to today? Is there somebody that I can talk to at work? Is there, how can I do that? Holy Spirit, speak to me, and, I, and I'll, I'll start t- taking, taking steps towards that. You pray that every day as you walk and watch what God does in your life. Or maybe there's an area of your character that you're struggling. And there's an area of all of our lives where our, our character is struggling. We say, Lord, I give it to you today. I give it to you. The Lord speaking to you, would you even just now just say, Lord, I give it to you. Speak. We are listening. We are listening, Lord. We give it to you. So as we respond today, here's a response. Maybe you're, God's speaking to you in one of these areas, and he said, I want you to step up. I want to invite you to step up from where you are. Pray with one of these people. Go to the wall. Write it down. You don't have to sign your name to it. You can if you want. Write it down. There's paper up in the balcony. There's paper down here. Maybe it's with communion that the, 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 the juice that represents the blood of Jesus and that cracker that represents his body broken for you. And maybe it's an area where they're in character. You're saying, God, break this in me. Heal me from this today in this act of communion. As I receive this today, Lord, forgive me and wash through me. Or maybe it's strength. You're saying, Lord, as I break this, strengthen me. Give me the boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to share your name. Let's respond. Or maybe it's healing. I've prayed for so many of you that there's areas of your life, areas of your body that you're suffering, or it's a relationship. Come forward. Pray with them or just come forward and say, I'm standing up in the body of Christ going, I need prayer. And my invitation to the rest of you is that if someone comes forward, join them. Pray for them, surround them and say, I'm going to walk with you through this. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to walk with you through this. Amen. So Lord, as we respond now, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. May we be bold in stepping forward. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing, for your word that goes forth and never comes back void. And Father, I pray for all those, Lord, today that, that they're responding to your Holy Spirit, Lord, to take those steps forward. Father, whether it's uh, in areas of our character, of our life that we need to give to you, Father, we know that you are a faithful God, that in that moment we confess you forgive us and you strengthen us and you enable us to walk that life of faith with you. Father, I pray for those today that, Lord, maybe they're being encouraged and sharing their faith. How many of you are going, That's, that was me, there's somebody I want to share. Would you just lift your hand and say, Lord, give me strength this week. Give me wisdom this week. Father, we, <laughs> we don't want to misrepresent and Sometimes we're so afraid of offending others, but Lord, we pray that your love would shine through us, that you would speak to us and guide us and strengthen us. Lord, we pray for those, Lord, in our family, Lord, the friends that we have, people at work. Lord, let your light shine through us, I pray. Father, I pray for those that uh, they're being encouraged to step out and to serve. Lord, whether it's serving with the kids or with the youth or as a greeter or, Lord, uh, teaching a class, whatever it may be, Father, we bring it to you. And Lord, your promise is to walk with us and to strengthen us as we commit it to you. Lord, maybe it's in the act of giving today. 
Father, we know that you, uh, none of this is coercion. It's, a, it's an act of worship to you. You love a cheerful giver. So, Lord, uh, help us as we walk in that. Lord, that our trust in you, Lord, would be firm and established as we walk in faith, I pray. We give you thanks for what you're doing. In your name, and everyone said together, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to engage. Lots of great groups, lots of ways to connect. So before we go, this is our benediction. Can we say this together? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you all so very much. God bless you all.